truly amazing. Turn in your Bibles tonight, if you would, to 1 John. We're going to jump right into it. We're going to read a lot of scripture tonight and uh, continue our series of who he is. And uh, you just heard a lot in three minutes about who he is. And uh, I don't know if I can speak to any more than already has, but uh, we're going to talk tonight about he is love. He is love. 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. And then we're going to jump around. If you, if you don't want to fall through your Bible, you can just, I believe it's going to be on the screen. So 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We're going to pick it up there in just a minute, but John 15, 13 says this, that no greater love has anyone than this but to lay down his life for his friends. In other words, the greatest act of love is what we're celebrating this weekend. No greater love has anyone than this but to lay down his life for his friends. So in other words, what we're celebrating this weekend is the greatest act of love. John chapter 19 Verse 16, so he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Drop down to verse 28 of John 19. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Verse 40. John 19, so they took the body of Jesus, bound it in linen cloths with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be afraid. You see Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Let me read that part again. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen, and he is not here. 
be the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb. Back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, how did he love us? Through the passage we just read. God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love of God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from Him, whoever loves God, must also love his brother. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would make real the very thing that we are celebrating this weekend. That you would make real not just the death, but you would make real the very life that you live, that sinless, perfect life, so that you could die the death that you did die. And God, we would not stop there, but we would celebrate with resurrection power even tonight, knowing that although we may have sinned, even this week, that tonight we can rise in newness of life because Jesus rose from the grave. God, we pray you would speak to us now for your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And thank you for those of you that were at the park today. We had such a great time. Uh, my daughters had a great time seeing about 20-something other children uh, with them tonight. If you've just been joining us or maybe tonight's your first night, this is our 10th service here at Urban. And uh, we're growing and we're seeing more people come and uh, more people getting touched by the message here. And uh, more people are being added to the community groups and even in the children's ministry. Man, every night, my kids, I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old, every night they're praying, God, did you send more of my friends to Urban? And, uh, and so we know that there's going to be more little ones coming as well. My daughter was so happy to see one of her classmates there today and uh, a lot of other kids. And so it was just really cool. So thank you for celebrating uh, this weekend with us. We started a series last week on He Is. And we've been talking about who God is. We've been talking about the attributes of God. See, I've come to this conclusion, and really here at Urban, we've come to this conclusion that if we don't know who He is, we really can't know who we are. And if we don't know who we are, we can't fulfill the life that He wants us to fulfill. And so we thought, man, let's look a little closer at who He is. So last week we talked about holiness, and tonight we're going to talk about love. When we talk about the attributes of God, there are two different classifications of the attributes of God. There are the essential attributes. Essential attributes are those things that only belong to Him. Those are the things that set Him apart and make Him God. 
These are things that you and I can never possess or never become or else we would become God and we know that's not going to happen. So the fact that he's all-powerful, that, that is one of his essential attributes. You and I are not all-powerful. The fact that he is all-knowing is one of his essential attributes. These are the things that make him God. And this is his DNA. This is his makeup. Well, he also has what are known as the moral attributes. The moral attributes are those things that he wants to share with you and I. Much like my dad, he has some attributes that make him totally different than me. But if we were to look at our DNA, there would be strands of his DNA and my DNA, thus showing that, hey, I belong to him. The same thing is true with God. God wants to give you things or put things in your life so when people look at you, they can say, oh, oh, you're a Christ follower. Oh, you belong to God. And so God has those things that he wants to share with you and I. Very simple. Those things are holiness, and we talked about that last week. Those are righteousness. Those are faithfulness. And tonight... As we look at love, we're going to see that God wants to put love in your DNA so when people see you, they will know you're a Christ follower because of your love. This is making sense tonight. God wants to put some DNA inside of you, love. God is love. 1 John 4, verse 8, very clearly, actually, yeah, at the end of verse 8 it says this. The last statement of verse 8 says, God is love. Further on in the scripture, it makes the statement again, God is love. Now, when we begin to talk about love tonight, I know right off the bat, when we say love, that can solicit a lot of different emotions for each of us. That, that, can, that can make you think of your first relationship, which may have been your last relationship. That can make you think about a lot of different things. That can make you think about your first crush. Yeah, it can make you think about somebody right now. When, when the word love, it, it, sends, it sends so many different mixed emotions, really. Because some of us have had good experiences with love. Some of us have had bad experiences with love. Some of us have grown up in homes where maybe our parents said they loved us, and they showed that, not just through their words, but through their deeds and their actions. Some of us know have grown up in homes where maybe our parents said, we love you, but it was never seen in their deeds or in their actions. So your definition of love may be different than my definition of love. Are you with me? Love can solicit a lot of different emotions. Even as I've been studying this week, I've been having all these old songs go through my head. I don't even know if you're going to know some of them, but they've just been going through my head. And every time, What's love got to do? Come on, Tina Turner, 1984. Top of the charts, right? Yeah. What's love got to do? Actually, tonight you're going to see that love has everything to do with it. Okay. What about, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> what was his name? Something Hathaway or something? Yeah, just old songs going through, through my head, and it's been really awesome. Or Foreigner, what was the Foreigner one? I want to know what love is. Come on, everybody, get your picks out right now. Okay. Now tonight you know you're going to go home and you're going to hate me because you're not going to get these songs out. You're going to be laying there like, I want to go to sleep. I want to know what I love. It's going to be awesome. You can thank me later. <laughs> the best one, though, is the meatloaf song. Yeah. I would do any. You haven't seen his video? He like sings through his nose, okay? <laughs> I would do any. For love, but I won't do that. Or that, or that, or that. I still don't know what the song's singing about, actually, because he goes through and he lists all these things that he will do, but he just says, I won't do that. I don't know what that is, okay? 
But a lot of us have that definition of love. I will do anything for love until you cross me, and then I won't do that. I won't do that. But I love you, baby, until you upset me. Okay? We all have a different definition of love, or, or maybe you actually, some of you know what the definition of love is, and I looked this up, and it's a profoundly tender, passionate affection for one another. I love you. A feeling of warm, personal attachment or deep affection. That right there needs an interpretation. A feeling of warm, personal, what, do you got gas or something? I mean, I think I love you, but I'm not sure. It could have been the hammer right? It is, I know. You know, I guess it kind of goes on and describes it as for a parent, child, or friend. And one of the definitions is a sexual passion or desire. Now, here's, here's the other way that we kind of we kind of misconstrue love because, you know, I look at my wife and we're driving down the road and I'm like, baby, I love you. And, oh, I love you too, you know. And, and we just, you know, love, 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 you know. But then all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, let's stop there and get a burger. I love their burgers. So now I've compared my wife to a burger. She's a meat patty, right? I mean, you know, it's like... It's like, you know, I'm sitting there telling my wife how much I love her. I'm like, oh, I want that car. I love that car. And so we say we love a lot of things. And so, I mean, if you read the, the definition of love, you just went off that. I have a profoundly tender and passionate affection towards this hamburger. Can you see where there might be some issues, ladies and gentlemen? And so if we just simply said God is love and our definition of love is a McDonald's hamburger, we've got some problems. Are you with me? Or if we say, you know, we, we love our girlfriend and then three weeks later we're breaking up with her. I really hope God doesn't love you like you loved her. <laughs> or we're all in trouble. Are you with me tonight? And so we've got to understand not just that God is love, but we've got to understand what love is. So thank you, foreigner. I want to know what love is. Then will you show us tonight? Please stop singing, okay. Love. What is love? Love. Love is the heart of God's nature. God not only has love, God is love. The love of God is the perfection of affection God has, which moves Him to give Himself to humanity continually. The greatest of those acts was the giving of Himself as a sacrifice to Jesus Christ through His life, through His death on the cross, and through His resurrection. This is the greatest act of love. Love. What is love? What is love? I still remember the first time I told my wife that I loved her, and I actually didn't tell her I loved her. So what are you talking about? It was one of those moments where my arm was around her, and you're kind of like, do the like little etch-a-sketch on, on the back. My little one's ever done that before. If she knows what I'm writing, she loves me too. I. Pause for a minute. L. O. V. Am I the only one that's ever done that? Come on, hold on. People. I did it with my dad when I was like five. You know, and I wrote it on her back, and then I just stopped thinking, okay, you can write it on my back now. Yeah. Never happened. 
I just found out actually, like, she brought it up for some reason, just like five days ago. She's like, y'all was so freaked out when you did that. Because I knew exactly what you wrote. I'm like, you know. That was the very first time I ever told my wife I loved her.
down to earth to live a sinless life. The Bible says that he was tested and tempted in all aspects, just as you and I are, yet without sin. And because he was without sin, it qualified him to die on the cross. And so now Jesus is qualified to die on the cross. Jesus, God incarnate in the flesh, is now qualified to die on the cross. And the Bible says that when he was nailed to that cross, he did not just etch a sketch on your back. He tore the veil in two. Time stopped. Everything started over. Behold, all things are passed away. All things have now become new. Why? Because of God's love. It was not just this little moment sitting in the hot tub. I love you. No, this is the greatest moment of all history. This is the greatest moment of all humanity. This is the greatest moment of all heaven. When Jesus Christ said, I love them so much. I know I'm holy, but you know what? I'm going to step in and I'm going to take the punishment for them. This is love. This is love. And to understand what we're celebrating this weekend, you've got to understand love. But to understand love, you have to understand this weekend. Because this weekend, as we celebrate what is known as Easter, we are not just celebrating the fact that He rose. We're celebrating the fact that He lived a phenomenal life that you and I can look to. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He did what we celebrate this weekend. Wow. Not only that, He died on the cross, so you and I wouldn't have to. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But not only that, he loved you so much that he said, I'm not going to stay dead. I love you too much. I, I, I created you for a relationship and I am not going to stay dead. <laughs> and so he loved you so much that not only did he live a great life, not only died on the cross, but then he got up again. The Bible says, although a righteous man falls seven times, he picks himself up and he gets going. Why can he do that? Because Jesus got up. Thus, you and I can get up tonight. Love is the heart of God's nature. God not only has love, God is love. The love of God is the perfection of affection God has, which moves Him to give Himself to humanity continually, without ceasing. We love Him because He first loved us, because He looked past all of our issues, all of our sins, all of our immorality, all of our injustice. Are you with me tonight? And He just, he just says, no, I love you. I love you. To understand Easter... We must understand the triunity of love. I'll break this down real quickly, and then we're going to be done for tonight. To understand Easter, because Easter is the greatest act of love that you and I know today. We must understand the triunity of love. I'm going to give it to you very quickly. Number one, you've got to understand the lover. Who's the lover? God. For God so loved. The world, John 3, 16. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. Here's the thing you must understand, that, that God is love. Okay? He doesn't have love, he doesn't possess love. Love is not God, God is love. Therefore, everything God does for you and to you is motivated out of his love. And if you understand that one principle, life gets a little bit easier. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He chastens. No chastening is fun for the moment, but yet he yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. We don't like discipline. Look, my daughters hate discipline. I hated it when I was growing up, but I, I disciplined a lot. I had three older brothers. 
And they went down the line. They didn't matter. One of us got in trouble, we all four got spanked. True story. Mom, if you're listening, you know it's true. I love my kids so much. See, love is not just I give them what they want. Love is sometimes I, I give them what they don't want, which is a spanking, which is Mr. Spoon. Matter of fact, my kids have been on spring break for two weeks. I don't know why that, that, that teachers did that to parents. It's an ungodly thing to do. One week is plenty. Okay. First week was fine. This last week, I've got to be honest with you. I, I was double fisting it with the spoons, all right? But because I love them, I discipline them. Now, now you discipline your children, and, and one day when you have, you discipline them the way God deals with you. That, that's fine with me. But the way we deal with our children, because the Bible says, don't spare the rod, which interprets Mr. Spoon, okay? And so I use Mr. Spoon on their bottom. And they know, man, when I'm walking, they, matter of fact, they've got to the point where they can see the look on my face, and they know when I'm walking that direction. No spoon, no spoon, no spoon! Faith especially, man. She runs, she dives into the covers, and she covers up. She's like, no spoon, no spoon, no spoon! Okay. I spank them because I love them. I discipline them because I love them. Here's the thing is if I don't discipline my children, no one's going to want to be around them. No one. You can tell. Matter of fact, there are, there are friends that we've had in the past that we would not invite over to our house just simply because their kids were little devils. Okay, maybe not literally, but they acted like little devils. And so we invite, oh, your kids are out of town with Grandma and Grandma? Yeah, sure, come on over. I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? I was noticing some little devils in my house this week. And I had, we, had, we, had, we had to sit down and have a couple talks. And my wife said, oh, no, they... Mr. Spoon on that bottom. No one wants to hang out with them when they act like that. Can I tell you something? God loves you enough to discipline you because no one wants to hang out with you when you act like that. God loves you. And so when he's correcting you, man, it's not fun right then. It hurts. It's a bummer. But you know he loves you enough to do it. And you won't thank him right then, but trust me, you'll thank him later. Now, how does God discipline that? We, I, I don't want to get too far off, but God disciplines a lot of different ways. Last time I checked, God is not going to come out with, heaven, with, a, with a massive size heaven scream. <laughs> Bend over! Okay? Thank God. We to be annihilated, okay? Now, some of you probably need that and deserve that, but that's not God, okay? God disciplines through circumstances. God disciplines through, 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 through authority figures, whether it's a boss, whether it's a police officer, because you're speeding. God disciplines in many, many different ways. Okay? Through friends, through parents, through pastors, through wives. Must understand the training. God is the lover. He loves us. God is love. God does not just, uh, just uh, have love. God is love. It's perfect, unconditional love. Even in his judgment, even when he's looking and judging, he's done in love. Okay? Number two, the triunity of love, in order to understand Easter, in order to understand that God is love, we must understand, number two, that there's the act of love. If I just went around and said, I love you, baby, but then never talked to her, never held her hand, never cuddled with her on the couch, never, you know, ever bought her a gift, ever, you know, whatever you, I mean, if I never did those things, 
you would be looking at me like, I don't think you love your wife. Right? Why? Because if I really love, there's going to be an action behind my love. Okay? So God is not only the lover, but God, then he does the act of love. And the greatest act of love is what we're celebrating right now. God had to punish, but he stepped in and took the punishment. Let me put it to you this way. Let's just say you were, let's just say you borrowed my car. My Jeep. I love my Jeep. You'll never borrow, but let's just say you did. Let's just say you had the top down and the wind was blowing through your hair and you're just cruising downtown not paying attention. And, like I did not long ago. Not in my Jeep, though. But. And you're not paying attention. You borrow my Jeep. Hey, Ben, thanks for letting me borrow your Jeep. You know what I mean? And, you know, thanks. And you're just cruising and, you know, you're like checking yourself out in the mirror. The wind's blowing through your hair and adjusting your sunglasses. Music's blasting, you know, whatever. You're just cruising. All of a sudden, BAM! You hit something. The car is just wrecked. Thousands of dollars worth of damage. You could act like, oh, I blew it. You should have been checking yourself out in the mirror. <laughs> or checking the person walking on the sidewalk. But <laughs> or either. And you come to me and you say, man, yeah, I wrecked your car. Really, how much is that? Well, it costs like three grand to fix it. Okay. The car still needs to be fixed. Still broken. Still needs to be fixed. This is, what, this, is what, this is what God does. He says, you know what? Thank you for telling me that. I'm going to step in. And I'm going to pay the $3,000. Still need to be fixed. Still need to be corrected. But rather than you paying for it, God's going to pay for it. That's what he did through Jesus on the cross. There's still sin in your life. There's still some issues. My holiness can't come up, but don't worry. I'm going to fix it. And he went and he paid the price. The greatest act of love, Easter. You've got to look at it this way, though. He, he didn't necessarily do it because it was what he wanted to do. As a matter of fact, if you read Scripture, you see that Jesus was in the garden saying, Hey, look, if this thing can pass for me, please let it pass. really don't want to do it. He didn't do what he did just because he wanted to. He did what he did because he couldn't do anything else. Because if he didn't do it, then he wouldn't be loved. Are you with me tonight? Easter, the greatest act of love, giving himself for you and I. He couldn't do anything different. Let me just read this to you. A certain medieval monk announced he would be preaching next Sunday evening on the love of God. As the shadows fell, the light ceased to come in through the cathedral windows. The congregation gathered. In the darkness of the altar, the monk lit a candle and carried it to the crucifix. First of all, he illumined the crown of thorns. Next, he illuminated the two wounded hands. Then the marks of the spear wound. In the hush that fell, he blew out the candle and left the cathedral. There was nothing else to say. Because what Jesus did on the cross was the greatest act of love. There's the lover, God. There's the act of love. Jesus died on the cross. Easter, here it is. The greatest act. We're celebrating it today. Why did he do it? Because he loves you. Thirdly, there must be the love or the recipient of the love. God is loved so much he created you to love. He loved you. 
enough to show in actions through the cross of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, the love of recipient. We must in turn receive this love. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. Easter is not an event. Too many people view Easter as an event. So churches across the world over the last 48 hours have been filled with people. Highest attendance services, whether it's because of Easter egg hunts or hearing the gospel. People come and they, they sit there. And maybe they'll come again on Christmas, but there they are, sitting there on Easter. Why? Because people view Easter as an event. Easter is not an event. Easter is a process. Easter is not an event that we can just come and reflect and say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for doing that. But if you read 1 John 4 appropriately, you understand that he did what he did because he wanted you to take on the DNA of love and not just stop having that DNA of love, but now to pass that love on to other people. The Bible says in verse 17, because as he is, so also are we in the world. We received the love, but, but listen to me, the love we received was not just an event, it was not just Jesus dying on the cross, that was the process to now begin to take the place of, of punishment for the sin that was in our life. And now he communicates love, he imparts love to you and I, so that we would now be as he is in the world. And we now move on and continue to give that love to others. See, if you view Easter as an event, you miss it. And we'll see you again next year. But if you view it as a process, then every day is a new day. Every day, old things have passed away, but all things have become new. Every day, I celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every day when I get up, man, God, thank you so much for saving me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me, because Easter isn't just an event. It was the process that took place. Easter, if you will, is kind of like, like God's Valentine's Day. The greatest act of love. Here it is. It, 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 if you view Easter as an event, it's kind of like this, if I can describe it. It's like this. It's like if, I, if Valentine's Day comes around and I gave my wife chocolates. There you go, baby. She eats the chocolates, they're gone. She's got to wait until next Valentine's Day to get any chocolate. But what God did, He didn't just give us chocolates. He said, hey, here's the recipe to make the chocolates. Go ahead, keep making them, and eat as much as you want. It's the difference. If we view it as an event, it's here, it's gone, we'll wait till next year. If we view it as a process, we realize that in 1 John 4, and in what Jesus Christ did on the cross, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Look at what he did. He, he went to the cross. Why? Because there was something on the other side. They'll know us by our love. 1 John 4.17 Because as he is, so also are we in this world. What does that mean? What does it mean to be as he is in this world? I mean, I gotta, I gotta go and I gotta die? No, maybe not a natural death. But if you look at what Jesus did in the garden, he said, not my will, your will be done. What is God's will for you? To be fruitful and multiply, fill the whole earth. What is God's will for you? God's will for you is this, that you would pass on the love of God to every other person you come in contact with. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's, it's, it's not maybe like, it seems like this is the right time, but you get out of your comfort zone, you deny yourself, you pick up your cross, you say, hey, I've got to communicate something to you. And every day now we pass on, as Jesus did, the love of God to others.